to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, people are going to get healed tonight. People are going to get healed tonight. Bodies are going to get healed. Amen. Maybe someone, if they need it, uh, they sure can be, can get delivered. If Satan's been dogging your tracks and been bound up in some area. You know, I've been delivered several, several times. I'm ashamed to tell you. And if I need deliverance in the future, I'm going to go get it. Amen. I'm just not ashamed to, to say that to you. And uh, so praise God. Father, we thank you tonight that it is your will that our lives be healed. That, Father, that Paul said, by the unction of the Holy Ghost, that I pray your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved, blameless, all the way unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that you want and you have made provision for us to be not just healed, not to just stay alive, but to be whole in every area of our life. And uh, thank you, Father, for the ministry of the Word and the Holy Ghost tonight. Uh, and as I've said, Father, you said, I remind you again, that you worked with them and confirmed your word with signs following. And so I'm, I'm expecting that we'll have nothing less. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. If you give me a little bit of time this evening, amen. The weather's passed, I believe, and, and we're here. Not going to keep you unduly, but I want to just, there's such light and power in the word uh, that we want to give the word its due, but we're going to leave room for the Holy Ghost. And uh, I believe that you're either going to get healed and delivered where you sit as you receive from the Word tonight or uh, as I lay my hands on you at the end of the service. Amen. And I don't think I've ministered on healing for a while. and We just, we need it. We need it constantly. You know, I've noticed that I've just had all kinds of things in the last six months maybe uh, that the devil has thrown at me in every category just because I've come to a different, just coming up to a higher level. He don't like it. And uh, just some different transitions, the way things are happening with ministry. And he don't like it. But I'm just taking my shield of faith. And I don't care what the dart says on the side, whether it's an attack on finances, attack on your mind, attack on your body. It really don't matter. The shield of faith will quench all of them. Amen. Praise God. Thank God for our shield of faith. Well, faith comes by hearing. And uh, so... Uh, I've, in my own, I had an attack on my body, and I'm on the other side of it, and uh, praise God, on the other side of it. And how did I get on the other side of it? Well, um, when I noticed this, this mass in my, that came up in my body, uh, you know, I'd been feeding myself in the Word, personally, along a certain line, and it wasn't healing. I'm always never far from healing, but just not intensely. I'm feeding in a different direction. Well, I'm smart. You know, when something comes up like that, then I just, uh, everything stops. I still got to prepare for services, but I'm not going to play around. I'm not going to play around with a mass of any kind uh, or a sniffle or nothing. I'm just not going to put up with sickness of any kind. Amen. And, and that's what's one of the things that, that is, can get Christians in trouble is they get too far behind the eight ball. They just let stuff go, 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 and now they're facing something that it's easy for God, but in their mind, it's this big mountain of a thing, and their faith is undeveloped, and they're really behind. And you can go to heaven early that way. I say, you can go to heaven early that way. So I just have been 
taken all, when I sit down in my chair in my devotional time with God, I've just been in the Word on healing. Amen? And I've been meditating a lot in 1 Peter 2, 24. Uh, really, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a message quickly. I just want to give you five things. This is the thrust of what I had in my heart tonight. Five reasons why Christians are out of position to receive. You know, healing is for you. It's been bought, it's been paid for, part of the atonement. It's, it's, all, it's, it's for every child of God. It's His perfect will every single time. And I don't care you know, what you thought about that. You just need to get in the Word. You know, say, well, if that's, if that's so, if it's God's perfect will that everyone every time be healed, why, why are the vast majority of Christians falling short of it? Well, why are the, my question would be, why are the vast majority of people to whom God has saved and has purchased their salvation, the majority of people are, are falling short of receiving salvation? There are more people dying and going to hell than are, than are people that are receiving the salvation that's been bought and purchased and made available. Does that mean God didn't want them to be saved? There are people who believe that, but you, that's just such a ridiculous statement. The word doesn't say, the Bible says that God wills that no man perish and that all come, that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That is God's unequivocal will for every human, no matter what they've done, no matter Hitler. It was God's will. He fell short of it, I'm sure. Amen. Uh, praise God. But it was God's will. Amen. And instead of putting that bullet in his brain, if he would have instead, you know, if he would have instead repented and fell on his knees, do you know God would have forgiven him for all that genocide? Everything. Starting a war, millions upon millions of Jew covenant people. He would have, the blood of Jesus would have touched it and it would have been like it never happened. <laughs> that's, that's, amen. But it's not God's fault that people are, now, why are, why are people falling short of salvation? Not because God wills it. It's because of ignorance or a refusal to receive it. Well, why would, it be, why would we apply a different standard to a lesser promise, a lesser important promise? It's more important that you get saved and go to heaven than it is than you get healed in your body. And yet, thank God, the same God and the same Jesus, same blood purchased both. But why would we apply a different standard? The reason that Christians are falling short, I'm not being critical, it's just a fact, of healing is because of either ignorance. There's, there's a whole bunch of reasons. We're going to go over five of them tonight. It's not the only five. But we need to be in a position to receive from Him. Sometimes it's just a matter of if we would be here instead of over there, we would be able to receive that power, that flow into our life that would heal our body. So we're going to do that, but I, 1 Peter 2, 4 really isn't the crux of what I want to get to, but I like it. I've been meditating in it, and I want to read the Scripture. <laughs> Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Now, what do you remember about that verse? By His stripes ye were healed. That's what most, because the verse is kind of a tongue twister, and a little bit, and it's a handful, but you... <laughs> By his stripes ye were healed is sort of the culmination of some very important words. So let's, let's read it slow. In verse, chapter 2, verse 24, it says, Speaking of Jesus, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, 
that we being dead to sins. What should we do then? We should live under righteousness. A lot of people are quoting, by his stripes I'm healed. But they are not living under righteousness. They're not interested in living right. And it's a tongue twister scripture. And they just heard most even preachers just quote, by his stripes you were healed. And that's what they want to grab hold on. And they want to forget the other part. But Jesus did. He paid the price. He bore our sin in his own body on the tree so that legally speaking, we would be dead to sins. Thank God we are legally speaking in heaven. But you know what? You should live your life best you can dead to sin. Not okay with sin. Not petting sin. Dead to sin. And then our aim, we're not perfect, but our aim is what? Live under righteousness. Live under righteousness. Then what does it say? By whose stripes you were healed. And so if you'll indulge me a little bit, I've got a book here that's got, a, uh, I don't know, over 400 different translations in it. So a lot of them are very, very old. And uh, this book is just a treasure. And it's called Our Healing Covenant, God's Promises for Divine Health. By, and I know, this, I know this preacher, Dr. Chip uh, Bolio, is I think how you pronounce his name. And I think he's in Dyersburg, so he's not far away. Anyway, listen to some of this. One translation says, Becoming immune from the penalty and the power of sin. We should live for righteousness, by, uh, for by His wounds you who believe have been healed. That's the Amplified, the, the newer Amplified. See, those who believe, you're not going to be healed just because it's in there. But you have to mix your faith with it. Amen? The EXB translation says this, that Jesus Christ Himself bore our sins in His own body on the cross so that we would stop living for sin. He didn't die on the cross so you could have a card, a license to sin. He took those sins so that you could stop sinning and that you would be, yes, free from sin's penalty. It goes on and says, and that you would start living for what's right. Listen, if you want to be healed, you're going to have to start. God is not going to heal you to further your rebellion, to further your disobedience, to further your, your golf habit while you fail to serve in the local church. God is not, He's such a merciful God. But if you're not interested in the kingdom and serving and doing right, living right, taking care of your body right, eventually, amen. Praise God. And then it says, and you are healed because of his wounds. The GNC translation says, we should spend our lives in pursuit of righteousness. His wounds were the means through which we received healing. I love that. Another, God's word says, so that freed from our sins, we should live a life that has God's approval. This has something to do with, are you going to walk in health or not? Or are you going to fall short of it? Are we living a life? This is what we're talking about in mentoring. Are we living a life that carries God's approval? And what does that even look like? 
Most Christians in this culture, how would you know? Unless you're just a really good student of the Word. Another translation says, By his bleeding wound you were cured. The ICB translation says, Christ carried our sins in his body on the cross. He did this so that we would stop sinning. That we would stop living for sin and start living for what's right. And we are healed because of his wounds. Amen. I'm not, healing is not a reward for good behavior. It's not that. Amen. But our hearts should be in the light of what he's done for us. That he's now living on the inside of us. We've got a power now that we don't have to sin. We don't have to yield to our flesh. And our aim, though we're not perfect, is that I'm living for righteousness now. I'm li- I'm, my aim is to live right now. Amen. And yes, by his stripes, thank God, we were healed. Just a couple more phrases here because we can't spend too much time on it. It is by his bruises that you were healed. It is by his wounds that you've been healed. His wounds became your healing. Another translation says, uh, he did this so that we should be alive to all that is good, not evil. It was the suffering that he bore which has healed you. His bruising was your healing. His bruising was your healing. He died on the cross, another translation says, so that we can be finished with sin and live a good life from now on. Amen. It is through his wounds that we are healed and set completely free. See, that's what God wants for us in every area of our life. That we would be completely free. Isn't that good? Praise God. I just love that. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's go over to the book of Exodus now. The 15th chapter, and I'll give you number one. Number one. Five reasons why Christians are not in position to receive healing. And this is, in my opinion, and many scholars, the number one, most predominant, most frequent uh, reason why Christians fail to receive the healing that God wants them to have for their body. And that is, number one, they do not know, they are not rooted in the knowledge that it is, in fact, God's will to heal them personally. Now you think about all that we've heard as American Christians about healing. Healing's passed away. Well, you've got to be really careful about using that phrase, passed away. Do you have scripture for passed away? There's a whole theological movement out there that wants to call everything that's not theological and intellectual, if it's anything vital or real or experiential, that's all passed away. That's not true. I said it's not true. But if, if, there are, if we're not rooted in it, if we haven't renewed our minds, if we haven't spent a lot of time in the Word, and, and we're not sure that it's God's will to heal us. I mean, people have heard stuff like, yeah, but sometimes God puts sickness on you to teach you something. You know, make you more pious, to make you more spiritual. Well, that makes him a child abuser. We're his children. What, what, what would the Kentucky DHS do if they had proof that uh, comma that you injected your son with COVID to teach him something. What would they do to you? They'd take him in away from you, likely, rightly so, put him in my house, probably lock you up. And yet we want to put this thing on God. 
It's not right. So here in Exodus chapter 15, Exodus 15, the King James says this, uh, and said, so it's, there's 25th verse here, but for time's sake, and said, God said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and will do what is right in His sight. Does that sound familiar what we were just talking about? If you will do what is right in His sight, and will give ear to His commandments and keep all of His statutes, I will put, it would be better translated, permit or allow. Permit or allow. These diseases upon thee, which I have brought or allowed to come upon the Egyptians. Now notice this. For I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now, you probably don't speak Hebrew. I don't either. In the literal Hebrew, this is one of those Jehovah names. The redemptive names of God. Can you name me some of those names that you've heard about? Jehovah Jireh, what's that mean? He's the Lord, our provider. God revealed that name to Abraham on the mountain. Amen. Jehovah Shalom. What's that mean? He's our peace. Anybody know what Jehovah Nisi means? He's our banner or our banner of victory. Amen. Well, so far, any of those names that you gave, has he stopped being that? Is he not Jehovah Shalom anymore? He's still Jehovah Shalom, isn't he? Amen. Is he Jehovah Shema, the Lord who is present, the Lord who is there? He's still that. Is he, is he still our victory? Is he still our banner of victory? How about Jehovah Sitkanu? Anybody know what that means? He's the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Sitkanu. The Lord, is he not that anymore? There are seven Hebrew Jehovah redemptive names. They were divine revelations. Uh, he gave the name specifically in a redemptive sense. This is who I am in redemption to my covenant people. Amen. And so the six of the seven that we've gone over so far, is he stopped being any of those? Will he ever not be our righteousness, our banner of victory, our peace, the one who's present? Amen. Will he ever stop being El Shaddai? No. Well, this Jehovah name, he reveals it for the first time right here. He says, I am Jehovah Rophe. I am the Lord, your physician. I am the Lord, your healer. So this is just an easy argument right here to blow all that stuff out. Healing's passed away. Oh, so, so he's not Jehovah Rapha anymore? He's not. But he is Jehovah Shema, but he's not Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Jireh, but he's not Jehovah Rapha. He is Jehovah Sitkanu, but he's not Jehovah Rapha. Anybody believe that logic? Is that bunk? No, no. If he still is six of the seven, he is seven of the seven. He has been and he will always will be Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our physician, the Lord who heals us. Why were diseases and calamities allowed to come upon the Egyptian? Was it because God wanted it? Come on, use your, use your, just your thinker. They refused to let God's people go. What if Pharaoh, what if Moses would have come in and said, I am God's prophet, I know you know me, but uh, I am God's prophet, and God said to tell you, let all these Hebrew people go. And Pharaoh goes, he did? Yeah, let my people go. Okay. Y'all can go. What if he'd have done it? They saved themselves a lot of trouble. 
No rivers turn into blood. No frogs in bed with you. No flies in your mashed potatoes. Your firstborn, your sons would be still alive. Your daughters would be still alive. That's all he had to do. And God gave him 10 chances. I mean, after the third or fourth plague, you know, I would have got this thing figured out, I hope. Let, get the people out. Give them a gift card on the way. But not only would they have not suffered the calamities, God would have taken care of Egypt. You know, because he's thinking, I'm losing a massive labor force. I'm losing all this productivity in my nation. God would have blessed them. He would have replaced that productivity somehow. He would have blessed those people. So don't get this idea that God is going to, yeah, he's going to put these. He didn't want any of that. But what he did say to his covenant people, he said, if you'll walk in my ways, you, you follow what's right, you give ear to my commandments, I'm not going to allow any of that to come on you. For I am Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord that heals you. Let me give you some nuggets from some of these different translations. One translation says, For I am the Lord, your life giver. One translation says, For I am Yahweh, the one who heals you. Another one says, I will heal you, for I am the Lord. Amen. Another translation says, For I am your ever-living restorer. <laughs> Another one, one of my favorites says, For I am the Lord your healer, your physician. I am he that is able to heal and help you in body and soul and to keep and preserve you from all hurt and misery present and to come. He's able to keep us from all misery present and to come. You thought the last pandemic was something else? I, that was just a dress for rehearsal for what hell is going to spill out on this planet. Right? People being afraid of sniffles and coughs. Wait till people are bleeding out of their eyes and their ears. I, I, I'm not trying to be, I'm telling you there's more coming. I said there's more coming. This is why I'm spending time on this. I want you and I to be rooted and grounded in the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. And who is He in our life? He's not just looking down on you in sympathy saying, Honey, honey, someday you'll understand why your baby's sick. No, He wants to heal your baby. He is the Lord that heals you. He wants you to have confidence in Him. He wants you to know that it's the devil that comes to steal, to kill, to destroy, to make sick. That God doesn't have anything to do with that. And if you'll cooperate with Him and walk with Him and learn about Him and learn to trust Him, He will heal your baby in the name of Jesus as you lay hands on them, as you rebuke that fever. Amen. We have to have the right approach to sickness and disease. And that's got, we have to have the right mindset, a mindset and a belief system that is built upon the Word of God, not religious tradition. Not having in our minds all the people that prayed to God to heal them and didn't get it. Listen, can I just help you? you someone, you should never touch a failure like that in your, in your thought life. It's not a criticism against them. We don't know everything. We don't know what's going on in their heart. We don't know what they're saying when you're not around. We don't know how long they've lived out of the will of God. We don't know nothing about nothing, no matter how much you think you know. You don't know. That's between them and God. and doesn't have anything to do with your covenant and His faithfulness to His book. Nothing. 
Get your, get, if you got your eyes on grandma and what she went through and Uncle Joe and what he went through and all that and, and you saw him cry and pray and ask God to heal him and it didn't happen and somehow you're going to build your belief system on that. See, you're off the word. And I understand how emotional that could be. Don't act like it's not because I've been there with my grandpas and I've been there with my, my mom and I've been there with church people. But I just don't let any of that move me. And I don't touch it in my thought life. If I pray for one of y'all tonight and you die on the floor, I'm just going to go next. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, it's not going to bother me. Amen. I hate that for you. We'll have a good celebration for you, your service. We'll see you on the other side. But it's not going to mean anything to me. I'm not going to change what I believe because I'm endeavoring to base what I believe on the book and not on people's experiences. But see, we don't have to fear what's coming on planet Earth. He is able to preserve us from all hurt and misery present and to come. I don't know. I don't even know how to pronounce this translation that's coming out of it. It's H-A-A-K is the abbreviation of the translation. But I like it. Knox says this. I am the Lord. It is health I bring you. God's only got one thing to bring. Where's he going to get sickness? He's not cooking up viruses in a lab in heaven. There's no sickness up there. No. The lesser translation says, I am the Lord thy physician. Many of these translations say, I'm the Lord thy surgeon. I mean, God just knows how with his invisible finger, just cut that thing right out of you or touch a mass and make it dissolve and go away. Amen. I mean, if God just winks at your prostate, guys, you're going to be a champ. I mean, he just winks at it. I mean, praise God. I, I'm just being funny, but I'm just trying to tell you there's nothing that God can't do. There's nothing that God can't fix. There's no lump. There's no bump. There's no, there's no, there's no name. There's no disease out there that Jesus did not carry. And I have scripture for that. In the book of Deuteronomy, it says all this stuff will come upon people as a curse for disobedience to God. And he says, and any other thing that's not named in this book as part of the curse. And Jesus said he redeemed us from all the curse of the law. Everything that's in the book, AIDS wasn't in there, but he covered it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. See, number one is, and I got to move on quick, but number one is you have got to begin rooted if you have, and I had questions. I grew up in a church that taught different, that believed different, big time. And uh, nobody got healed. My, very rarely did anybody get nothing in my church. Why? Because they didn't believe in it. See, you cannot have a living, unwavering, strong faith for anything until you know what God's will is in the matter. And don't believe that religious light. You can't know what God's up to, that you don't know what His will is. You get in the will of the New Testament, the Old Testament, you'll find out what His will is. Amen. That's why all this time, you know why I went through this period from amen to there it is on that mass? I'm not laying there worried about it. Sure, thoughts come. But I, I know what to do by now. I get in this book. And I feed my faith. And I rehearse and I, I, I reinforce my knowledge and understanding that it is God's will. For me to be healed. All I got to do is set myself in agreement with it. That's really all I... I'm not the sick trying to get well. I, let me say, I wasn't the sick trying to get well. 
I'm the heel and the devil's trying to take it away from me. I'm not going to let him do it. And that's the way you need to see yourself. Let me give you this one. It's just too, too, too good to pass up. Another translation says, For I, the Lord, make you immune to them. What a scripture. I make you immune to them diseases. See, there's no reason to fear. I mean, yes, be wise, whatever, but there's no reason to fear stepping outside on the front porch or going to work or coming to church. If you've got a Holy Ghost impenetrable immunity from God, I mean, they put the black plague out of a drip. They, they got a sample of the black plague and they put it in the palm of Reverend John G. Lake's hand and they put that under a microscope. Secular scientists watched the black plague die under the microscope in this man of God's hand. Amen. You ever watch that NCIS episode where Dinozo got the black plague? It was contagious, man. They had him locked away behind layers and layers of glass. Amen. But it, it just, uh, that's a, it's a historical fact. It's not a fairy tale. I'm telling you, John, he's in heaven now, but John G. Lake put the, he said, put it in my hand. Stick it on the microscope. It died when it came into contact with the man of God. See, he had faith. Amen. Faith in the name. Faith in who he was. Faith in Holy Ghost immunity. Amen. So I just call you vaccinated right now by the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name, not to just one, to this variant, that variant. And anytime you need a booster, just get in the Word. Amen. Praise God. You think I'm, you think people think I'm, I'm being, I'm serious as I could be. Well, you know, how come you've been to church? Well, you know, it's flu season, you know, and I, you know, every time it comes around, I get it, and I just, you know, don't want to be around people and get that flu. Been watching all night. See, you ain't got no faith. Ain't got no faith. That's a good way to say it in Kentucky, right? Ain't got no faith. Now, if you don't got no faith, you can get faith by getting in the Word. Then you could leave your house and not be afraid, not be tormented. Amen. Somebody say, I'm preaching good. I'm preaching good. All right, number two. Man, we're going to have to hurry, aren't we? Number two. The, well, I did that, right? Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh Well, I covered one and, let me say, I'm going to redefine one and two, and then that we're further along we thought. You have, number one was really what, according to my notes, you have to know some things. If you're going to be in a position to receive, you've got to know some things. Amen. And the second was, you really have to know that it's God's will. There's only one man that we have any record of in the Gospels that had that theology about healing, if it be thy will. And it was the leper. And in Matthew chapter 8, the leper falls down in front of Jesus and says, Lord, I know you could heal me if you wanted to. And Jesus immediately reached out. And t you ever watch the Chosen episode where people are freaking out and they're running away from this leper as he steps out on the trail to beg Jesus to heal him? And Jesus took a step toward the man, and the disciples were freaking out. Like, gee, come on, gee, we can't afford to lose you. You, you know, gee, no. He acted like it wasn't a thing. And he said, he touched him immediately and said, immediately is my will. And they all watched all those lesions and everything leave. And he was healed. See, Jesus wasn't afraid about that contagion. Now, if you don't have faith in what you're doing, you, you, better, you better not. But Jesus knew that that couldn't touch him. It could not hurt him. Well, that was Jesus. We're in him. We're in him. 
We've got the name. We've got the power. We've got the promise. We've got the same spirit. We've got the same authority. Praise God. All right. So, man, not, that, that helped me a little bit. We can go up to number three. Amen. Maybe I should have just called it four things. But anyway. Amen. Another big thing that I want to mention is people get out of position to receive their healing when they live out of God's will for their lives. And this is pervasive. This is common. This is a big one. If you want to live healed and healthy and whole and strong, way deep, deep, deep into old, what the world calls old age, then you're going to have to adhere and, and, and pay attention to make sure that you're living in the center of God's will. Amen? Now, there's, there's two things you need to pay attention to in this. I don't have time to preach you a sermon series on it tonight. There is the will of God for your life as it is revealed in the Word. And if you're not willing to live in the light of the Word, you're going to live sick and broke and subject to the curse and satanic attack of every kind. Amen? You know, Brother Hagin said this. He said, it is dangerous to come up to light and not walk in it. If, I don't have time, but if I could tell you all of the tragic tales I have heard of people who attended this church and, and got light on a great many subjects. And then they came into association or dated or married someone that was not interested in this kind of church. And they, and they left. And purposely knowing, when it, not, not being critical, but just a place of lesser light. If I had time to tell you the tragic outcomes. Now see, those other people, it's not really happening like that for them. Why? Because they're walking in all the precious light that they know. And God honors that. But when you are exposed to greater light and you choose to walk away from it, you invite bad things. Because why is that? You're not honoring the truth. You're retreating. You're taking steps backwards. It's a very serious thing. We don't have time to go there, but you can write the reference down. Acts chapter 9, the Amplified. You remember in Acts chapter 9, this is where Saul of Tarsus meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he falls down because of this great blinding light, right? And he hears this voice, Jesus, say to him in the Amplified, you know, in the King James, it says, Paul, it's, it's, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Meaning as he lived his life persecuting Christians, going the wrong way, the Holy Ghost was pricking him and trying to get his attention and convicting him. And, and he said, it's hard for you to kick against those goads to keep doing what you're doing. The Amplified says, it is dangerous and it will turn out badly for you. Oh, I wish, I wish y'all would get that. Maybe you're walking in the right way, but listen, you'll be tempted to go the wrong way next week. It is dangerous for you to be convicted by the Spirit about something and to kick against it because you don't want to cooperate. You want it your way, not His way. He'll let you have it. In His mercy, He's going to keep goading you. You could quiet Him completely. But it's dangerous and it will turn out badly. Next year, 10 years, 20 years down the line, 
it's going to turn out badly. And what I've seen, I've been in the ministry long enough now to see this happen. People, kids raised up in the church, and they know all this stuff. And they have an inkling of what they're called to do. And yet they get off into sin, and they leave the church, and they're out there living in the world. And then maybe sometimes they, they're called to a specific thing. They find their way back into the church, and they are sweet church people. They tithe, and they love God, and they raise their hands in worship. But they never get into the thing God called them to do. They never pay attention. Even if they're in the church, 30 years later a disease gets on their body and they're trying to use their faith to get it off and their faith won't work. Why? Because the bills come due. All that time, all that time in disobedience to the will of God. Can it be changed even then? Yes. Oh, thank God. Yes. But you're going to have, and, but you're going to, have to make a turn. You're going to have to make a dramatic turn. And so sad, sometimes by then, by that time, they got a mortgage and debt and they got this and they got all that and they got this mountain of stuff and they're trying to figure out how they can go from here to, to the ministry God called them to. Well, you better just go down to a cardboard box if you have to to get in the will of God because it's not going to turn out good for you if you keep going the way you're going. Somebody say amen. amen. I know you did, but I wanted to hear a louder one. Good job. <laughs> amen. It's a serious thing. Jesus said, he said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. The Amplified of that scripture says my nourishment or that which sustains my life. Remember, he was left at the, at the well and he sat there because he was exhausted. And the disciples said, listen, we're going to go to town. We're going to get you something to eat. He was, he was physically, he was exhausted. They stay, he stayed there. The time he got, the woman at the well came up while he's gone, and he has this interaction with her. Aren't you glad that he got over his tiredness and flesh to minister to a girl who needed help? And a revival got started over that. Well, she's gone now. The disciples come back with a happy meal, and he's revived. He, he's revived. And, and they're like, who, who brought you? They literally say, who brought him something to eat? And he said, my meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Being in the will of God is a nourishing, sustaining force in your life. And there's two areas you have to pay close attention to. Amen. Number one, what does the word say? That's his will. And when you see something that you're not in harmony with in that word, to be in the will of God once you see it, is you got to change. It's like on that tithing issue. Some people have been out of the will of God, but then I showed them the will of God. What are you going to do now? It's dangerous to come up to light and not walk in it. What about forgiveness? What about not being bitter? What about living clean? What about living holy? What about coming to church? What about serving? What about having a pastor? What about being honorable towards your everybody? What, I mean, everything that the Bible says. That's the will of God. Tomorrow night we're going to study, it expressly says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this is the will of God, your sanctification, and that you abstain from sexual immorality. That's the will of God. So what are you going to do about it? You're going to put your pants on? Are you going to, are you going to not touch a girl till you get married? What are you going to do? But then number two, 
is God has something specific for you that you're not going to get exactly from the text. So you have to spend time with God. You have to be interested. Are you all with me tonight? And, and, here's a, and let me say, this is probably more applicable to this group here tonight. You be in the will of God, and you be in the will of God, and you be in the will, and you're in a flow. But then God wants you to make a turn. God wants you to change something up. God wants you to go from uh, traveling to being a pastor. Or He wants you to go from being a pastor to, right, to traveling. Or if He wants you to go from being a pastor to a prophet, were well, you going to make the change or not? Just because you've been a pastor for 30 years, if God wants to change it up, what do you, you'd be in the will of God for 30 years, and then 10 seconds later, after you get the light on that, be out of the will of God and be a rebel. What are you going to do? That's why, you know, even though I was a little bit nervous about it, even just changing some stuff up a little bit, going on a Sunday a month maybe to go help some other pastors wherever God opens the door, that you might be nervous about that. But I want to live. I love you, but I want to live. If God says go, I'm going to go because I want to I live. I like being well. See, and we can rebuke the devil and you can command, I command all this sickness, all this pain to leave my body. But if you're doing that while you're standing on the ground of 10 years of disobedience, that's not going to work. I said, that's not going to work. I don't care how fiery your rebuke of the devil is. You're standing on his ground. He's a rebel. If you're willing and obedient, you get to eat the good of the land. I'm just telling you, I've got to move on. But it, whatever you would have to do, Whatever you have to change. And you can't just get in a mode and say, well, I'm comfortable. I've just been in this mode. I've been in this helps ministry position for all this time and nothing's changing that. Well, I may change it. Amen. You just can't be stagnant. We just got to keep progressing in His will. And if you just go year after year after year acting uninterested about His will, you're going to end up in disobedience. You're going to end up missing a turn. And it opens up the door to sickness and disease. You with me? Pastor Nancy in her book, Causes, and she's got a different cover. I've got the old orange one. She said this, When a believer turns away from God's plan, he turns away from health, from supply, and from all that belongs to the believer. Long life is connected to God's plan. To veer away from God's plan is to veer away from long life. Health is in the direction of God's plan and God's word. To step outside of God's will is to invite and open yourself up to an attack of the enemy. And then he can attack you with sickness. It is imperative to live close to God and to stay with God's plan for your life if you're to live in divine health. If you do get out of God's will, I think we all do. I have. Repent and get back in as quickly as you can. Then notice the last phrase. Then you can receive your healing. She says, if you do get out of the will of God, repent and get back in as quickly as you can. Then you can receive your healing. That's position. Over here, I'm out of the will of God. Healing's not flowing to that position. But if I repent and come back over here 
And some of it is so basic and so simple for most of the laity. Come to church faithfully. Whatever that really can honestly looks like for your life. Amen. Be a vital part in the helps ministry. Be interested and serve. Tithe. But my experience is the body of Christ can't even do that. And they want all of God's blessings. They can't even do the most basic fundamental things with any consistency. Now I know that's not this group, but it's, the, it's all the other empty gray chairs here. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Anyway. All right. Whoo, quick. Here's number four. Another huge reason why Christians are sick is that they don't faithfully bring their supply to the body of Christ. And for this, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And you remember that's he's talking about in the communion. He said, He that eats of this bread and drinks of this cup in an unworthy manner drinks damnation or judgment upon himself. And then it says, For this cause or for this reason, many, not a few, everyone say many, many are weak and sickly and some even sleep, which means to die premature. Amen? Now there's two applications to that, right? Number one, if you don't know that Jesus bore your sin in His body, amen, and that by His stripes, that's what's represented by the bread, His broken body, if you don't know there's healing in that, you're going to be sick because you're not recognizing He paid for your healing. A lot of Christians, they don't get that. They haven't received that. That ignorance, that lack of understanding is the open door the devil brings to make many Christians sick. But there's a secondary meaning to this. We are the body of Christ, aren't we? We are the body of Christ. And if we don't discern our part in the body of Christ, see, it's not your job to discern my part. I have to be on my face before God and figure out, you know, so for like November 2001, you know, in some way, form, or fashion, or another, I ask God every new year, Father, is it still your will for me to pastor this church? Sure hope it is, because I'm having a good time. Amen? And so this coming year, for you know, in November, it'll be, it'll be full 22 years. It's 22 years in a row. It's been, yes, it would please me for you to continue pastoring the church. But he added something to me this year. He said, this is, 2023 is the official beginning of your traveling ministry. Well, okay. See, now I have to discern my part. You're not responsible for my part. I'm responsible for my part. I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to do my part, whatever that is in the body of Christ. Well, Brother Jeremy, what is your part? You've got a part, and a very important part in the body of Christ. And, you know, being in where you are in your journey, right? The Lord wouldn't expect you to be as in-depth and involved in your understanding about what all that means yet. But now you know tonight you need to be interested in it, talking to God about it. I'm not just a bystander here in this church. I'm not just sucking air and sitting in a gray chair and nodding my head and saying amen. There's something that God wants me to bring to the body of Christ. Well, listen, over time, if we fail to do that, He said, for this cause... 
many, many are sick. I'm trying to really condense. The message translation of this says, if you give no thought or worse, don't care. Man, that really hit me today. A lot of people, that's what they act like. They don't give their, they don't give hardly any thought. As lay people, what is my part in the body of Christ? I mean, when was the last time you sat in a chair for 20 minutes and talked to God and had just, or even just thought, am I fulfilling my part in the local church? Just to make it real simple, because we don't have a lot of contact with the body of Christ in Thailand. But we do have a part in the church we're assigned to, in the community in which we live. People say, I'm going to go to the world and win. I'm going to go to Malaysia and win souls for Jesus. You can't even come to church. What are you talking about? Win souls in Malaysia. I'm going to go deliver people from trafficking. You, you, you can't even tithe. What are you talking about? You'll die down there. The devil will kill you. What are you thinking? Baby steps here, right? How about coming to a prayer meeting? How about that? We'll give you a special badge for that. We need to create a little special badge. I came to last week's prayer meeting. <laughs> oh, man, this is good. It says, if you give no thought or worse, you don't care about the broken body. And see, the local, many local churches are broken because people aren't doing their part. And pastors are having heart attack and mental breakdowns trying to do everything. Then it goes on and says, that's why so many of you even now are listless and sick. And others have gone to an early grave. If we get this straight now, we won't have to be straightened out later on. I'd rather get straightened out right now. You ought to thank Pastor Chris for jerking the slack out of your chain tonight, if necessary. <laughs> Amen? The Norley translation, man, is, is so good. It says, because of this indifference, many of you are feeble and sickly, and some have died. But if we examine ourselves carefully, we could escape this misfortune. And when I read that this afternoon, this phrase came to me. If we would ex do more, spend more time examining ourselves rather than justifying ourselves. See, a lot of Christians spend a lot of time justifying why they don't come to church justifying why they don't serve, why they don't give. Well, I'm busy in this season of my life, that season of my life, I've got this going on. And they spend all this time justifying themselves. If we would spend more time soberly examining ourselves, talking to the Father, am I doing my part, Father, in this season of my life? Am I pleasing you in my service, in my worship? We would avoid all this misfortune of sickness and disease and tragedy and death and missed work and sniffles and coughs and pains and aches and all this stuff up to and including early death. I mean, this is all in the Bible, guys. Amen? The last one is um, people are not in position to receive healing because they neglect meditating and attending to the healing word. The, many of you in this church... You know, because you've been taught, healing is right and healing is for you. But that knowledge alone will not bring healing to your body. 
The Word of God is a seed, and your spirit acts like dirt. See, I knew when this thing came up in my body, I know that healing is for me, that healing is right, but I am still, last scripture, let's go to Proverbs 4, amen, I still have a responsibility to attend to the Word. Are you with me? Praise God. Just hang with me a little longer. You, you can do it. I know you binge watch TV on a work night and stay up late and play game and all that, you know. Not all of you are in bed by 8.30, so you're all right. Amen. Praise God. Not like I, I don't know how many of you live. I do the same thing. Amen. All right. Where did I tell you to go? Last, last scripture here. And then if you'll give me time, I want to I give anybody an opportunity to have hands laid on them tonight. Praise God. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Now, I always, re- I always take my Bible very personally. So it starts out by saying, my son. Well, if you're a lady, you just put my, my daughter. A lot of times I just say Chris. So the Word of God says, Chris, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them where? Not on the index card. Amen. Not in your brain. But in the midst of your heart. For they, what? The words. The words. They are life unto everyone. No, they are life unto those who find them and health. The Hebrew word there is medicine. That's what it means in the Hebrew, medicine. Medicine to all their flesh. So I knew, I knew this. So I got my healing books out, got my Bible out. I've been taking healing medicine. Amen. Of this word, um, The word health here, there's some commentary in this particular book from the Strong's. And Pastor Chip says, this word comes from two words. It means partly incurable and then health. So he says, Strong's, this Hebrew word for health, it literally says we have incurable health. It's a paradox. We have incurable health. In other words, he says, we have an incurable health disease that no amount of sickness can cure in the Word. That's what's available to us in the Word. Incurable health. What's he saying? Unconquerable health. No sickness strong enough. No black plague. No cancer. No diabetes. No heart disease. No whatever's running your family is big enough to overcome incurable health. And where is it? It's in the words. So he's telling us, attend to the words. But again, most Christians I know, they attend to their symptoms. Get on Facebook and tell everybody how bad they're hurting and ask for prayer. That's all they do is talk about their hurting. Oh, that mass is still there. It's bigger bigger today than it was yesterday. I don't know, I know, but I'm attending to the Word. No, you're attending to your symptoms. Amen? When I first noticed that several weeks ago, I could, I could grab it. It wasn't hard or anything. And I had my wife look at it, and I'm not dumb. And, uh, and, but it was large in that muscle tissue over here on my lat. 
and I could grab it with my fist and, and move it around. And now I have to search for it. And who wants to do that? I'm just going to keep working the process. I don't care if I feel a little remnant there or not. It's going. All of it. And I give God all the credit, all the glory. I'm, just, I'm no hero, but I'm just telling you, this is what you do. I put my eyes in the book on healing. Not prosperity. That's not what I care as much about right now. Amen. So let's finish this up here. One of these translations says, The words, they are life to those who find them and healing for their entire body. Amen. Uh, another one says, They're healing to one's entire flesh. They are health. They bring health to a man's body. These words are the secret to life and health to all who discover them. Another one says, pay attention to my words, listen closely to what I say, keep them within your heart. These words are the secret to life for those who find them. They will bring health to the whole body. And God can't lie. I don't know about you, but I believe it. I believe it. Another one says, the words, they are life to those who grasp them and health for the entire body. Knox says, hear and heed, my son. Hear and heed these words of warning. Never lose sight of them. Cherish them in thy inmost heart. Let a man master them. The word. Well, have you mastered the healing word yet? I wouldn't say that I have. So I'm, at, I'm after it, right? They will bring life and healing to his whole being. Those who discover these words, they live. They really live, body and soul. They will be bursting with health. I don't care what's dead in your body. I don't care what's missing in your body. I don't care what's broken in your body. I don't care what hurts in your body. I don't care what comes against your body. The answer is attending to the Word. One of these, one of these translations is stretch your ear to those words. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're not interested in doing that, then it's why... Amen. Most people attend to their doctor appointment far more faithfully than they attend to God's Word. And it tells you where their faith is invested. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. What I am saying is whatever you're giving the doctor and medicine and vitamins and ointments and clinics and all of that, you better be given triple, double, quadruple up on what's guaranteed to bring life to your body. Don't give him less. Amen? And don't attend to your symptoms. I walk by faith, not by sight. I walk by faith and not by feeling. Amen? Amen. You guys want to come help me move this? Well, very quickly, let's all stand up on your feet. You've been such good listeners. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But I do have, I have faith, but I also have different healing endowments in my life. And a healing anointing in my life. And it's just one of those areas of ministry that God's called me to minister to. So I'm just going to say if you need...